0: and good afternoon very warm welcome to deering live on thursday july 13th it's a pleasure to be here pleasure to be back uh, and unfortunately for you lovely people you are left with me today i asked dave if he wanted to be here he said there was so much talent in this room today that he couldn't possibly live up to that he backed out and took a break for the afternoon uh, and you'll see why in just a second when we bring in our guests so i'm uh, i'm super happy to be here i'm super excited um thanks for tuning in Happy 4th of July belated. I Hope everybody had a safe and, uh, and wonderful, just long weekend of, of fireworks and fun with family, et cetera. Um, celebrating all things July 4th. Sounds ironic with the person with my accent, but it is one of my favorite holidays. So, uh, you can assure that. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to a wonderful lady who I spoke to on the phone today, Margie Scora. If you're watching, uh, she called in asking about, uh, videos and during live and, and some Michael Miles stuff that we had made, uh, and, just the sweetest, sweetest lady, and had a wonderful conversation with her. So I promised i would give her a shout out if she turns in. So hopefully she tuned in today. Thank you, Margie. All right, let's jump on in because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, I don't really need to make any major introductions. So I think we're gonna crack right on with the show uh, because I'd like to bring in Mr. Jens Kruger, Mr. George Grove, and our very own Mr. Greg Deering right off the bat. Where's he at? There they are. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? <laughs> doing really well. <laughs> always. He promised he wouldn't play. Like he'd, he'd sat there in sound check with a banjo kind of out of shot, like he wasn't holding anything. And then he would just start playing. And that's just.
1: Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play like a over, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. But he can't help it. It's like a stress ball. It's always, it's always well, on his side. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's so good to see you all. Wonderful. It's great to see you guys. And uh, Greg, how are you feeling? doing well doing, doing well one. two doors down from where i'm sitting right now that's awesome. yeah,
2: just a few feet from you
0: jen's is out in north carolina and george grove
3: i'm yeah. in las vegas, las vegas where we're going to be hitting 118 degrees here we're,
2: we're we're approaching 100 today
3: yeah it's warm
1: how's it how's the weather doing in, in north carolina it's not that bad. I think it was in the high it was in ninety five, about, you know, ninety, ninety two, something like that. So it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't wasn't so bad, yet. That's yeah. That's
0: awesome. Let's let's try and stay uh hydrated and, and cool, shall we? In this uh in this definitely warm <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Hundred percent. All right, let's get started. Here's uh here's where I want to go first. Um the two, uh, Jens and Greg, in particular, you've been on here a couple of times, and you know, we know who you guys are. So just at the beginning, I want to talk to the guest who has not been on this show before, which is Mr. George Grove, and get to know you a little bit. Because um, this whole thing is one of the first times that you and I have interacted, really, in any kind of detail. So it's been a really fun process. But take me back, let the audience, let everyone know, you know, what was your beginning as far as music and the banjo like, and, and kind of where did that come from, and, and talk
3: me through those, those early days? Well, when I was growing up in the mountains of North Carolina, not very far from where Jens is, I didn't have toys lying around the house. We had musical instruments lying around the house. And my father, uh, who had played uh, trombone and trumpet in order to get through college, um, had all of these things out for us to experiment with. Piano is what I gravitated to. So I began taking piano lessons at four. Uh, about the age of 10, 11, I first heard the Kingston Trio, and I was immediately uh, excited by the sounds of the guitars and the banjos and the harmonies and the excitement. Mm-hmm. But that's what turned me on to those stringed instruments. So I um, had wonderful instructional piano and trumpet, but there wasn't a whole lot of call for folk trumpet. <laughs> so I, con- I continued uh, to experiment on my own with the guitar and with the banjo and had folk groups, uh, went off to college, still had a folk group, um, was able to go to a USO show over to Germany with one folk group, another USO show to Alaska with a different folk group. I graduated from college. I was drafted into the army. I was injured, which was a saving grace for me because it put me out of the infantry and into the army band. And I played trumpet and piano in the army band, still playing the guitar and the banjo in a folk group. Uh, When I got out of the army, I went to Nashville to become the next big star, but I arrived on the same bus that had 10,000 other guys arriving to be the next big star. And uh, that was the early seventies when country music was really uh, prolific, and it was taking off in a new direction. Uh, The old guard Roy Acuff and and, um, uh, Ernest Tubb and Loretta Lynn, they were all still there, but it was taking a new direction with people like Larry Gatlin. And I was there for about uh, four years. I learned a lot. I got to play backstage at the Grand Ole Opry because uh, as a musician over at Opryland, we had access to the new Grand Ole Opry house. And all the musicians got to know each other. And they would say, oh, I don't want to go on the road with Johnny Cash this weekend. George, can you go out and play rhythm guitar? Let me check my schedule. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of a no-brainer. And I had uh, a wonderful time learning as much what not to play as what to play. Uh, then in 1976, I was called with the Kingston Trio to audition. And I was in line with a few other guys around the country and they chose me. Wow. Um, and I was with the group for 41 years. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much. Um, that my, was that
0: was the thing, right? That, that was, and what, what, a, like a very, very similar story. I feel like I've heard that story multiple times, but from somebody else and that, that someone else is just to your left there. Uh, Greg Deering. like it, again, Kingston Trio providing that anchor for, what was the excitement about those instruments, right? The stringed instruments, the banjo and the guitar. Greg, does that that sound familiar to you or was your pursuit of folk trumpet a little bit more aggressive?
3: Well,
2: I I did did play the trumpet uh, in high school. Um, Never in the orchestra or anything like that. But my main thing was was, um, when I discovered that the Kingston Trio had a whole album. Initially, I all we had in our house was the 45 of the Tijuana Jail because that song actually was written about an actual incident that happened in Tijuana. And some friends of my parents went to the event and ended up in the Tijuana Jail. And hence the song came out. So they had the 45, but I didn't know the albums existed until a few years later. And at that point, my friend had a guitar and we had the album, so I had to get a banjo and I have not looked back since.
0: So when, when did you two, and Jens, I'm going to come to you in a second, but um, Greg and George, with the love of the Kingston Trio kind of on a, on a trajectory that would ultimately bring you two together as well as, as, uh, as friends, as well as kind of business associates, was it the, was it the buyout of the Vega brand uh, that kind of allowed you guys to cross paths or did you know each other before that?
3: No, it was before that. um, I moved out to San Diego uh, in the mid-80s. And because I was so close to the Deering banjo factory, I would go out and spend some time with Greg and Janet. And at one point, Greg said, we need to build you a banjo. So I started bringing $100 here, $50 there, $200 there. And finally, Greg said... George, we've got enough money. We need to build that banjo.
1: So, <laughs> that's Greg, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: so he, uh, he said, I found a beautiful piece of, of wood, and he showed me this uh, wonderful block of maple. And he said, when this is uh, ironed out, it's going to be a beautiful piece of tiger-striped maple. And that became the neck for my first banjo from the Deerings, which is the Banjosaurus which has uh, a little bit of fame on on uh, uh, Deering Banjo's site. Yeah. And yeah. Chuck cut the, uh, was it Chuck, uh, Greg, that cut all the pieces and the. Well, and he, the cut,
2: he cut about half of them. I cut about half of mm-hmm. them. We, we both worked on it.
3: And Jeremiah, your son, did the artwork for the headstock.
2: Yep, yep. Oh, By the right. time I got all the artwork done for the fingerboard, I just couldn't figure out the pay Everything I drew just didn't. Didn't add up, but handed it to Jeremiah and in 20 minutes, he had the perfect pig head.
0: And that banjo is in the museum, isn't it, right now? Or is it back with you for a while? It's
3: back back with me. It was with the museum for about two years, but uh, I needed it. (laughs) I mean, it's a wonderful (laughs) instrument. It It has a wooden tone ring. Uh, One of the things that that instrument taught me was to listen to music again. Uh, I became, as so many of us do, um, in the habit of looking at the fret markers
0: <laughs>
3: and there are no fret markers on the banjosaurus you know it's just a beautiful mural of dinosaurs and volcanoes and rivers and forests and mountains and i thought where am i uh, i know how to determine where i am i'll listen again you know and that brought me back to the reason for playing music in the first place it sounds good
1: yeah, that that it brought you back 50, 50, uh, 65 million years. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know there's a,
1: there's a beautiful there's a beautiful story you know of Greg uh, I, I'm sorry to jump in like that but okay. but Greg you know you once told me the story that when you were a kid and you wanted that Vega banjo and you saw mm-hmm. a long neck banjo in a, in a in the music store and uh, with a pretty rude you know a uh, salesperson there at the time and anyway it's so funny you couldn't afford the banjo, you know. That's how life goes. And now you're building Vega banjos. You know, you own the company, and I think that's just uh, just a marvelous story. You know, of you never know when you're young, you know where things go, and and uh, there's there's so much that can happen. And uh, if you work on it and do your thing, and you definitely have, Greg, you know that story always stuck with me. You know, yeah. marvelled well, at that banjo. And-
2: it's been an amazing journey. Not only do I make the Vega banjos now, but I've got to virtually know all the guys that are, were, were in the Kingston Trio, Make George his banjo, um, both of his, a number of his banjos. He's got more than one. And uh, it's just, if you would have told me that when I was 15, that I would get to do that and be part of the whole music world like this it would have been unbelievable but yeah. here we are
3: well i need to jump in here Work
2: with the ants too
3: i have huh? a uh um, several as you alluded to i have several like about 15 <laughs> during banjos <laughs> uh many of them good times but uh and and several of them are very very nice custom banjos that you built But one of my, two of my favorites uh, involved 10 years ago when I was getting ready to have uh, a total shoulder replacement um, in Salt Lake City uh, because they have good surgeons up there. And the night before, you, Greg, and some dear friends of mine and John Cavanaugh had all colluded, uh, much to my surprise, to uh, get me out to dinners where I first met John Cavanaugh And then we went over to my friend's house, and John said, oh, help me carry these banjos in. I think you'd you'd like to look at these. I just thought they were banjos that I would like to look at. Opened them up. It turns out that uh, Greg and Janet had uh, conceived of and built for me two different banjos, one a standard length and the other one a long neck banjo, both on the good time frame, uh, which is much, much lighter than what uh, I, I'm accustomed to you know with the tone ring because they knew that after the surgery I would not be able to handle right. uh, a, a full-size banjo mm-hmm. and to to this day I think of the uh, every time I play those banjos I think of the love that went into them in the building and and the love that came my way when they presented them to me.
1: Yeah that's I, I can feel very much with you on that I, I you know I used to be out in the company and I had a nice banjo, you know, that uh, Greg and Janet had built for me, and uh, but you know they had these beautiful instruments, and one, you know, once once I saw one that was gold plated and it looked marvelous, and it had all these things in it, you know, and I was just I said oh, this is beautiful, you know, and then I don't know, it was a few years later, you know, we were at an event in Nashville, and they they just made me a banjo and it was so sparkly beautiful when i opened the case i closed it instantly again because it was a it was like a shock you know i said well i can't go on stage with this what are people going to think of me you know with an instrument so beautiful and uh, and well i took it with me and after after a while you know uh, i played it all the time and it just sounded so good it was just you know and then Uwe, Uwe, actually my brother he 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 said to me once he said you're playing nice music and you're playing with symphonies, you're doing all these things. You should, ha- you should play that instrument, you know, if you like it that much. And people will will appreciate it, you know, looking at it. And that's when I started playing it. And it became my banjo. Of course, today, now you can see it's got all kinds of wear, you know. And it's been, but it's been my banjo, you know, for all these years now. So um, I'm very, very, very high. So I can feel very much with that.
0: There's a certain kind of I don't know like when you get a nice instrument, you're, there's almost like, am I worthy to play it, right? Yes, and it's that, actually that banjo. That's that's a thing. I, 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 I've I, done that. Mm-hmm. I, very much how I felt, and, uh, and but you uh, tell you know uh, George,
1: you have a very special long neck banjo because, as I understand, you have one fret less than
0: a regular long neck banjo. So. Is, is, I'm going to stop you right there just for a second because I do want I wanted I want to talk about the long necks. Before we jump into that, okay? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no you're fine. You end running the show, but I do want to get this down right because the long necks cool and and actually because I do a lot with the artist relations side as well, and there's a, there's a slowly growing number of younger artists coming to us going, hey, I want to I want to try a long neck. I really like the sound of it, I like the tuning of it. This is really cool, but they don't necessarily know the history of it right and you know george obviously you know, you're you're a long neck guy and greg i know you you have a bit of a passion for the long neck world um and yet it remains kind of a bit lesser known compared to what jens is holding which we would all consider to be kind of a dare i say standard even though it's not but it's as far as dimensionally speaking it's what we all know to be a, a five-string banjo right now so uh george i want to start with you um what's a long neck banjo and where does it give us some for everyone at home who doesn't necessarily know what it is, what it's about, uh, give us the the lowdown.
3: Greg could probably give you a better history than I, uh, the first time I was aware of a long neck banjo was, uh, through Pete Seeger. Um, and I always thought that he, I initially thought that he had that long neck banjo because he was tall, (laughs) (laughs) but I I think it had a lot to do with the uh, range of a male voice, um, because the long neck banjo has a foundation of a fundamental in the key of E of being three frets lower than a standard length banjo. Mm -hmm. And uh, that permitted, you know, so many guitar players uh, play in the key of E all the time. It's just the first chord that you ever learn for some reason, Um, because the sixth string is an E. So the fundamental is an E. And uh, am I close to it, Greg, as you understand it?
2: Well, and the basic is what the instrument is. It's three three more frets on the lower end of the neck, and that was invented not just Pete Seeger played it, but he invented it. Hmm. And he took an old Vega standard length five string to D'Angelico in New York and had him splice in those three frets.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Explain so that. Is that he literally just cut the peghead off and built and in.
2: in a piece. And, then they, and there was a drawing of that in Pete Seeger's original uh, Banjo Lesson book.
1: Yeah, that's right. I remember the
2: heard to DeAngelico doing that for him. And then, then Eric Weisberg, who was a student of his, took one and had it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, But not too long after that, the Vega Company came to Pete and asked him if they could do a Pete Seeger model. And Pete told me the story that he said, sure, I don't care. He says, I didn't... Pete Seeker said, I didn't think they'd sell any, so it didn't matter to me at all. It wasn't until years later that he found out that they'd sold thousands of them. And um, so the original ones were were, were grafted next by D'Angelico. But then Vegas started making them. Mm-hmm. But the one that Pete played in his later years was a banjo that he and some friends put together on an old 20s Vega tubaphone pot and the neck was made out of solid lignum vitae. Um, <laughs> and it was heavy and clunky and um, a little bit twisted, but Peter made a lot of magic on that banjo.
0: That's,
1: that's a cool story. I really All like right. that. Yeah, it's and and as I understand right the fifth if you put the capo on the third fret you're actually having a regular banjo yeah. and then the, and then the fifth string is actually actually on the fifth fret you know looking from the third fret you know yeah so, right so so yeah. it's like a red so it's like a regular banjo really and then yeah. and also you know in order to counterweight you know the banjo holding beat seeker had the strap button you know in the middle you know somewhere along the neck you know so he had, he had the strap button inside here somewhere so um. so the banjo so the banjo would hang on here not not on the like here so otherwise you know the neck would always you know pull the banjo down so you had had it somewhere here and uh, so he, he would hold it and also you know you also have to hold it more to the side otherwise you can't reach the, the chords, right
2: uh, so <laughs> and i put all in at about the eighth fret
0: Oh, the, the 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 eye loop for the strap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: we've we've done that for a few customers, but most customers don't want us to do that.
0: No. Yeah. Well, course, whenever whenever I play a long neck, the thing that throws me off the most is uh, because of that um, Pete Seeger story. Your your I I look at side dots instead of fret markers. So the side dots would traditionally be at one, three, five, and on a long neck it shifts. Right? It goes to like two, four, six. Yes. So wherever it's, you it's, think your hand position is supposed to be, it's not. You have to be. You have to look at it completely differently to george you you find that as well uh, probably not now but was that ever a struggle or going back and forth between standard five strings and, and long necks
3: only on the banjosaurus you know where you had to mm. uh, as i said before <laughs> yeah. you had to start listening to music again instead mm. of looking where you were going mm-hmm. um you no know, greg greg has done a marvelous job of of uh incorporating everything that a banjo player needs to look at so that he can listen know and and be pleased with what he hears but what you said about the uh what Yin said about the weight of the banjo drawing it down and and uh it's it's just so long leads us into why i have a compromised long neck banjo with only two additional frets instead of three Uh, i went to greg and i said i break a lot of strings on the stage and i'm so short i'm having difficulty reaching all the way to the peg head And changing a string, because you have to reach with two hands sometimes to tie it off. So I said, let's do a banjo that only has two additional frets. And the more I started thinking about that, I thought, well, the fundamental of a regular long neck banjo is E, which is four sharps. So it's a bright key on a bright instrument. Mm -hmm. If we do two additional frets, the fundamental will be a half step higher. It'll be the key of F. It has one flat which is traditionally felt to be a warm key. Anything with a flat is supposed to have a warmer sound. Mm-hmm. So what would it be like to have a warm fundamental or a bright instrument? And, of course, we put uh, Jens' tone ring in it, and that made a big difference. I, I could play immediately uh, much better. <laughs> <laughs> Just knowing his tone ring was in it.
1: Um. Well, I didn't know you had that tone ring in.
0: <laughs> this is the the Roischky tone ring that we
1: the, the, the. Ritchie, yeah, from Switzerland, yeah. 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 Well, that's that's a great tone ring. My goodness, yeah. But
3: that's the awesome. uh, the banjo is heavy. I'll, I'll I'll give give you that. But uh, the other thing that we did with that banjo, uh, cosmetically, was I had of course all the autographs of all the members of the Kingston Trio, and I asked Greg if there was a way that he could incorporate that into the neck of the banjo. Mm-hmm. So the uh, I happen to have it here. What? The,
1: ah, here we go. <laughs> See, uh, it magically appeared.
3: Just, I just happened to have it.
0: Look at that. Huh?
3: So Greg has the Kingston Trio down here, and he actually used a real rope to do the hangman's noose. He tied all 13 knots, and the rope goes all the way up the neck. He cut a groove and put the, the rope all the way up the neck of the banjo to... I'm getting hung up here. Hold on a second. Banjos and cables to the (laughs) to the headstock. And interesting thing about the headstock, it has all of these white oak leaves. That's the tree from which Tom Dooley was hung uh, or hanged in uh, North Carolina. And yes, your old sound man, Philip, is the one who went out and scanned a white oak leaf and sent it to Greg. So that he could make the little abalone inserts.
1: Yes, that's what he did. That's what he did. And I like, I like the tuners, you know. You have the tuners, you know, coming out to the side. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I saw that, you know, with Eric Weisberg. He always had that. And and also, uh, of course, Pete Seeger. And I like that, you know, because they they don't look traditional, but they actually work much better. And, you know, for for, for the folk music, you know, they, they just look right, you know. I think they, they look... I'm always tempted actually to put them on my banjo or at least one of my banjos
3: well this Whatever. banjo started out with regular uh, planetary pegs yes but uh greg convinced me that uh, i might like it better if we went to the um uh, to the grover style tuning mm-hmm. machinery because i had a, a better ratio for tuning
1: absolutely and it's the tuning is so much better you know i mean they're they're fantastic tuning pegs, you know.
3: Well, it is for some people, but you, <laughs> you have to be able to tune either way. One
1: well, of the things with a banjo, you have to retune. Do you retune your banjo a lot when you
3: play? I do, because I use the capo a lot, and that'll pull the string down. So yeah. I try to use as little tension as I can with the capo, yeah. and then just barely retune. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's hard to find a good tuner for the banjo, but I I found this one, which...
0: It's a... We'll yeah, the do that,
1: yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I, I use it. I use it here. I put it. I put it on the headstock, right? Right here. You see, that's the clip-on mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah, that's the same. It's, but it's the same. It's the same. Um, I think it's the same uh, a
0: tuner. Yeah, it's I think just, it's a
3: D'Addario isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, the Dario, Yeah, have a clip-on I, one,
0: and there's one that's designed to sit on the rim. It sits underneath the hooks. I think. And yeah, that's the one I have. Yeah, yeah that's I, great. I,
3: it's easier uh, for me to tune with the one that sits between the brackets mm. because the sound doesn't have to travel all the way up the neck of the banjo and mm. then go to the tuner. Sometimes that didn't work too well for me. <laughs> Maybe because I had a capo on the neck also.
1: Yeah, I was always under, under the impression that you tuned the banjo down to E anyway and then just uh, tuned up, you know, you know, though, even though you just had two frets, I didn't know you just put it down to F. I thought you put it down to E. No,
3: tune I, it. I do keep it at F. Uh, Okay. My partners always tell me that I do what uh, most banjo players do and I find the one string that's out of tune and then I tune to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) When I'm on stage, you know, with tuning there's always some joke coming from either Uwe or Joel, you know (laughs) some kind of banjo joke will come you know
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll add that to the list of alternate tunings that we have on the site it's just like the, the, the find the one that's out of tune tuning that's pretty yeah. cool yes yeah. yeah. so did you ever get involved with long neck banjos at all are you well a, no actually actually my
1: my involvement with long neck banjos actually was at the at, at, at greg's home you know greg and mm-hmm. janet you know they I, I i stayed there many nights you know and let me there let me stay there and and, uh, you know, we worked together, you know, on banjos and uh, Greg had always long neck banjos, you know, that that I could try and, you know, yeah. old ones and, you know, that he had that he had. And, you know, I say it was the same like you, Jamie, you know, I would get completely confused, you know, the first few minutes. So, ah, you know, I can't play at all anymore. You know, this is terrible. But I was always fascinated when I was a kid, when we were kids, you know, we had an album that was country and Western, you know, music. And they had Chad Atkins on and Hank Snow and all kinds of people. And there was a, a young guy, you know, standing there and a few people around and he held a long neck banjo. So when I was a kid, I thought that's the regular banjo. So when I first saw banjos in music stores, I thought all oh, their necks were too short, you know, because mm-hmm. I only knew that. And also then we had the Pete Seeger songbook and in the back, you can see Pete Seeger, you know, sitting on a tree and there's children around. It's one of his camps. And I always loved that picture because it reminded me of our home because we sat, you know, with our parents and they would sing and we play uh, guitars and we'd sing, you know, sit around. And that was just such a peaceful picture. And, you know, he holds that long neck. So I'm sort of, you know, had this imprint of long neck. Banjo in me, and I was a little disappointed that my banjo didn't have that long neck, you know. When I first got my my first banjo, and I thought they were all wrong, you know, the, the long ones are the right ones. And uh, of course, then I, then I learned different. But I'm absolutely fascinated with the long neck, and I always actually wanted one, you know, I always wanted the long neck to try, you know, because I think mm-hmm. because of the string length, the string you know, just vibrates like, almost like a monochore, you know, the the strings has a different overtone structure. It sounds sweeter, you know, on, on, on a long, on a long neck. If that string is so long and you start playing it, it sounds, it sounds amazing. It's, it's a different, it's a different sound altogether. It's, it's not just like you're tuning a banjo down, you know, that, that has a good sound, but if the neck's longer and the strings longer, and you have that same kind of tension, it's 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 amazing. You know what happens to the string and the overtones. So it just it feels beautiful. And every time I play an, uh, uh, any of the uh, long neck banjos, you know it doesn't matter if it's got a tone ring or not, you know, uh, or what kind of tones. It's, it's just the way the string vibrates. When I go back to my regular banjo, I feel like woo. This doesn't sound good. <laughs> You know, I have to get I have to get used to it again. You know,
0: okay. is, is
2: it, Jimmy. Yes, that yes, that means that we need to put in a, a work order to get a long neck
1: To Jens. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. Don't. I, <laughs> yeah. I was.
0: I was, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can. We can definitely do that. That's no problem. I, but I, I do have a question about it though, because we, we, as you know, we make the Julia Bell, right, which is intentionally a low-tuned instrument. I think we go down to D and E. That's for mm-hmm. Alison Brown's Brown's uh, sure. banjo. When you go down to an E on something like a Julia Bell, which is a standard scale length, does it feel and sound different to a long neck in your opinion? Is it a completely different beast at that point? It is, or... it
1: is because, because you know, to, to tune down to E, you know, on a regular banjo, you've got to thicken up the strings. Well, yeah. I mean, the you know, and, and, and so you actually have a thick string that sounds low and that has a complete different overtone spectrum mm. than a regular string, you know, being longer. So and that makes it a really different instrument you know it sounds very it sounds vastly different you know and mm-hmm. that, it has an intriguing richness that you know that that you're going to I always start missing you know if I right. if I go back and I have to excuse really huge thunderstorms coming through and I just have to get some stuff of my do you hear that Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You go ahead and, and, and I just and, have to uh,
1: clear something off my porch, you know. Jonathan will pull you out for
0: a second, and then when yeah. you come back in, we'll bring no, you no, back. No, no. Be, be safe, sir. But Jens will leave his thing off of uh, or not mute his channel ever. So we'll uh, we'll pull him out for a minute.
3: <laughs> well, that kind of uh, that kind of what Jens was talking about with the string length and the uh, and the roundness of the sound really fits right into the style of music that I play, which is more folk. Uh-huh. Um, bluegrass, I think, has a lot more bending of strings. And what I do is the, well, a more folky style. And I'm playing with a capo at uh, the first position. I play all the way up to with a capo on the, uh, um, the 11th fret. Wow. And it's difficult to find a string gauge. This sounds good because uh, you want that larger string uh, with that rounder sound when you have the full length of the neck to play, but then when you put the capo on, you're in effect uh, changing it to a more standard length banjo and even shorter. So I'm constantly trying to experiment. I'm asking Greg all the time, "What's Yin say? What's, what's Yin playing?" And uh, I've experimented with those strings. They in fact, I went to uh, an 11 on the first string because of what Yin said. You need more uh, mid-tones uh, out of that string rather than a. You've got a storm moving That's a, that's a there. storm coming through. Wow. Yeah, yeah can, you can hear that. Can we have yeah. some of that? We really need the rain here in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... But there's one song that, uh, above all others, a little closer, yeah, uh, is the most... Right now, for me, it's the most important song that I play from the long neck banjo using the full scale of the long neck. Um, and that may lead us into another segment and it's forever in a day. And All right. I think it's one of the most powerful songs that I've ever heard for its content, but it has taught me so much musically and made me extend musically. And then it sounds so good on a long neck banjo.
0: Oh. So this does segue quite beautifully because I will say one of my favorite stories that Greg has told me, particularly lately, uh, on, on many different occasions over the years, is the moment that I think, George, you called Jens to tell him, or at least ask permission or to let him know that you wanted to cover uh, Forever and a Day, the Cougar Brothers song. So, Greg, give us give us that that story as it was from your eyes.
2: Well, when I... when. Jan and I were visiting Jens. We were sitting in his his living room when the phone rang. And Jens went and got the phone and came back in a little while. And he actually had a little bit of a teary eye. And he goes, that was George Grove. And the Kingston Trio wants to record Forever today a Day. He goes, I can't believe the Kingston Trio wants to record one of our songs. Yes. And a little while later, Uwe came. And when when... Jens told Uve what happened. Uve had a little bit of a teary eye. Tear joy, not not sorrow.
1: No, no. That, yeah.
2: And and so the trio recorded it. It was on the uh, Born at the Right Time album, which was a fantastic album. I I still listen to it a lot. And at the camp, the what used to be the Kingston Trio Fantasy Camp, which is now the Americana Folk Gathering. Um, Saturday night, which was the end of camp, the Krugers were playing at the Music Instrument Museum. And when they got done with the concert, they came over to the Sky Resort where um, the camp was, because they're only about 15 miles apart, and got persuaded to sit down in the lobby of the hotel and play some music. And when Jansen, Uwe, and Uve and Joel started playing forever and a day, everybody in the room started singing along. And it was well, a magical <laughs> moment and there wasn't a dry eye in the place.
1: That was, you know, we just, we, we came and we just wanted to say hello. And then, you know, at one point, you know, we said we got the instruments in the car, you know, why don't we come why don't we play one for everybody, you know, in the lobby. And and for us, you know, we didn't expect anything, you know, and that's usually when some of the magic happens, you know, when you don't expect it. And and that moment was really, really to be remembered, you know. I mean, we we were there and it was interesting that, you know, when the Kingston Trio sings the song, they have more of a, the phrasing is a little different than what Uwe sings it. You know, it's just that the words, is a little bit more folky, a little bit more out singing. It's this, it's this, there's a flavor to the phrasing you know that that is typical for the Kingston Trio and for the folk era really and and Uwe is singing it a little bit different you know and so everybody's singing it but they're all singing it in the Kingston Trio version you know so 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 it's slightly it has slightly you know shifts in timing but it was absolutely amazing you know to To hear all these people that we have never seen before, most of them have never seen before, and they sing our songs so loudly, you know, I mean, full throttle. And that's probably also part of the camp. You know, you really teach people how to sing out and and you know, involve people with the singing and engage and you know, not be introverted with it. And and so people really do. And yeah, it was
0: it was an amazing, amazing moment. There's a lot of people in the chat right now who were there that evening. To, who are sharing what you are talking about right now. Uh, a lot of people saying they were there, it was magical, what an amazing moment that was. Uh, so it definitely touched a lot of people, it seems like, and a few of them are here watching right now, which is which is really cool there, to see. There yeah. is,
2: uh, the camp is all people that were originally started coming to camp because of the Kingston Trio, and they're continuing to come with the Folk Legacy Trio and everything. But a huge number of the people that come to that camp have become absolute died in the wall Kruger brothers fans. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: they will all be at the concert on the 7th.
1: Well, I have what? to say I have to say, you know, I, I have to add to that, you know, because years ago you told me about the Kingston Tree camp, Greg, you know, when you when you went and and you said it's fantastic, it's beautiful and it's, and I said and then, and then I said to Uwe Kingston Tree is making the camp why don't we do that and why don't we make a music camp and actually that idea came you know through through the through through the kingston Trio, actually through greg to us you know that we should do our own camp and you know just make a weekend and and, and make it a little longer and then we started it and it's been now our eighth i think our ninth you know that we have coming up you know so
2: well, and some yeah. of the campers from this camp come to your camp
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like Alan Toft and, you know, a lot of people, you know, who've been been around. And so uh, it's been a mutual, you know, great friendship, you know, amongst our people, (laughs) our tribes.
3: Right. (laughs) Well, the camp is an absolutely wonderful vehicle for uh, musicians who aren't musicians who become musicians. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people began coming to the when it was the Kingston Trio Fantasy Camp because they'd been doctors or lawyers or or CEOs or whatever their career had been. And when they graduated from college and began their career, they put their guitars and banjos underneath the bed. And that's where they Mm -hmm. lived for the next 40 years. Then. They retired and said, what do I do with my time? Oh, I have a guitar and a banjo under the bed. I think I'll get those out and see what they sound like. And they started coming to the camp as a, as a vehicle to, in order to be able to play their instruments and play with other people that had uh, the same interests, which were primarily at that point, the Kingston Trio. So we would stand on stage. There were three of us in the trio and two of us would stand on stage with one of the campers and form a trio. Thus the name Kingston Trio Fantasy Camp, like a baseball fantasy camp. Um, Then in 2017, when uh, Rick and I left the Kingston Trio and formed the Folk Legacy Trio, that's when the owner of the camp, Paul Rybolt, decided to change over to the Americana Folk Music Gathering. And instead of just Kingston Trio music, he decided that he would open it up to any kind of music whatsoever. So people bring in... Folk rock, they bring in um, groups like Fish. They bring in every singer, every songwriter you can possibly imagine. And we've expanded the staff so that we have not just a couple of guys from the Kingston Trio um, and the Folk Legacy Trio now with Jerry, but also uh, the guys that played in John Stewart's band. And John was a great songwriter and he had wonderful musicians who played with him. And they've added their talents to the support of all the campers. Well, some of these campers have become such good musicians that they've formed their own groups and they go out now and they play at retirement homes and they play at uh, uh, civic clubs all around, and they've become semi-professional musicians. What 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 better thing to do with your life than than to uh, share what you love with other people?
1: Well, you know what what you're saying is so so true. You know, I I also Greg, you know, who's been running this company and you know being such a an amazing uh entrepreneur i can you know you know in 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 every aspect uh you know he plays banjo and he has a group and uh, when we're going to be at the camp this year you know they're going to actually he's going to be with his group and they're going to open for us you know for the concert that we're going to play on tuesday and and so i think folk music and you're going to talk more about that greg please but i think folk music is something there's a, there's a, there's a beautiful. I I sometimes like to say that on stage. You know, I I say, well, in classical music you have to be a virtuoso, right? Because it's it's mandatory. You got to be good. You know, you got to be really good. But in folk music, virtuosity is just an option. You know, uh, it's just optional. You know, you don't you can sing. It's almost like musical Tai Chi, right? <laughs> you can do things very simple, but you put all your heart in it. And that's all it's ever gonna do, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's all it's ever gonna need. And uh, we learned that from our parents, from our mother. They were not professional musicians, but they sure made us feel well when they sang and played. And I think that's a gift that people can share by learning a few tunes. You know, they don't need to be many. You know, you 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 don't need a thousand jokes to to tell a good joke. You know, and that's the same with with a song. You don't need a thousand songs. See, you have a handful of songs that you, that you like our father. He had a handful of songs that he could entertain people with. And once he had sung them, that was it, you know, somebody else's turn. But, Mm -hmm. but, um, and, and I think, you know, anybody can, you know, pick up a banjo, strum a few chords, sing a, sing a tune. And he doesn't need to be a great singer. You know, in in technical terms, was Bob Dylan ever a great singer? I don't know. You know, to, that would be arguable because it's optional. You know, in this in this kind of music, if you have a beautiful voice, well, so be it. But if you if you don't have that, it's okay. You know, you can still play, and everybody's going to sing along or have a good time. And sometimes Uwe, you know, my brother, he starts like "This Land Is Your Land" or something. You know, on a concert, and it's always astounding. That the entire room will instantly sing along. I mean, they're mm-hmm. so happy to sing along, and I think this is almost an art, a, just actually a cultural aspect in America that has to been that has disappeared for too long. You know, it has to right. come back, and I think camps like this camp really bring back, you know, this treasure, you know, as American treasure of folk music, where people can learn and 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 then go out. That's the goal: go out and sing for your friends, or go to retirement homes and. And do it. My, my aunt had a mandolin orchestra, and she did that. And then I asked, you know, where, you know, why did you split up? And he said, we never split up. They all died. But, <laughs> 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 but so, <laughs> but, you know, they had the time of their life. You know,
2: well, there's a whole other aspect to the camp, um, and, it, and they're called the Bloodliners. And what that refers to is John Stewart's first album was called California Bloodlines Yes. with a cover song on it, which is a fantastic song called California Bloodlines. So there's only room for 30 campers in the camp because you can't have 200 and get it done in a week. There's only 30 campers, but they all need an audience for the concerts they put on each night. So the Scottsdale Plaza Hotel has a lot of rooms and the rooms are available at the reduced rate for just people who aren't campers to come and be there and get to go to the concerts and be part of the whole scene. And there'll be, all oh, anywhere from 50 to 100 bloodliners there. Mm-hmm. And there's room for more. The bloodliners usually have a hospitality suite, and they'll be up most of the night jamming and playing songs in the hospitality suite. So it's, the, the whole event has a lot of different levels.
1: So that's going to be the date.
0: Yeah, let's talk, about, let's talk about this year's camp, right? It's, uh, yeah. So it's coming up pretty quickly here, and there's yes. uh, a number of people who are going to be there as well. Shout out to Sue yeah. Keller, who is the camp cheerleader right
2: now. Yeah, it starts on the 8th. Um, the first concert is on the 9th, and it goes uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday.
3: But yes, this concert, uh and and Joel will be doing a concert it's on, on, Monday Tuesday Monday,
2: on the Tuesday.
3: 7th. It's on uh,
0: Monday, Monday
2: night.
3: Monday, Monday yeah, night. Monday. Right. 7th, so right. the Kruger brothers
0: are playing on the 7th of August. Where,
2: Greg? At the Scottsdale Plaza Resort.
0: Yes. Excellent. And at what time?
2: 7 o'clock.
0: And who is the astonishing band opening for exactly. them on that evening? <laughs> exactly. Who is opening? Well, I was
2: fortunate enough to be part of a folk rock group when I was in college. And our last names were me, Deering. And our bass player was uh, Kent Learned. And we had two brothers, John and Tony Prim. And I don't know how the name came about, but people just started calling us Deering, Learned, and Prim Prim. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> sounds, sounds like a children's book, doesn't it? <laughs> Last year,
2: um, John and Tony and I played on Friday night at the camp. We we're going to play again on Friday night. But our friend Kent, who we've all stayed good friends over all the decades, but Kent found his match and his mate, Jeanette, and they got married and she was from Australia. So Kent lives in Australia. So last year Kent couldn't make it over, but this year Kent's coming over.
0: So it's uh, gonna be original people. lineup.
2: <laughs> See the first time all four of us have played together in fifty years.
1: Yeah. Wow. So you you, you still you did you learn some new material or, or did you did you did you just really try to sort of revive everything you did?
2: <laughs> we revived what we did, <laughs> but um, Friday night we're planning on doing one of the songs that John and Tony wrote back way back in the day. Yes. It's an outstanding song. And then if we have time, we're gonna do another one that the whole group wrote that's uh, a little rowdy. And I'm a little rowdy myself, but I'm an amateur compared to John. So and when all four of us together.
0: Scottsdale. Scottsdale Plaza doesn't know what's coming. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I you're gonna need to you know <laughs> Ozzy Osborne to shame. So are be. you gonna are you gonna play banjo or guitar, Greg?
2: Uh Monday night I'm just playing the banjo. Oh right.
3: Saturday
2: night I'll be banjo and guitar.
1: Oh, nice. Look at
3: that i love it i love it do, right, do so, we know whether um, this is a revival of music or a survival of music <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow! Well, Stephen we're saying, we're definitely not spring chickens anymore.
0: <laughs> Stephen Rich in the comment just made me laugh out loud. Half a few things says it sounds like a law firm.
2: <laughs> a, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, it sounds like a law. Yeah, like yeah, that's right of you know, Much better. No,
1: I I was just you know Greg asked us could we maybe open for you. Uh, of course, I mean, that's going to be fantastic. You know, and you know the nice thing about these events, you know, where we play concerts and we're so many friends together everybody that comes new to the group you know is gonna is so everybody's so inclusive you know in this in this music you know so so people are always surprised you know they come into to an event where there's so many people there's sometimes they feel like ah maybe i'm an outsider but actually nobody is you know i've never seen mm-hmm. that and that's and that's just um that's just marvelous you
0: know? well and that's seeing, the one thing i like is is the fact that jens and you and Uwe and joel can go into a camp like that and and you know blend in, basically, even though your musical styles are vastly different on the spectrum yeah. of things. Yeah.
3: Sorry, George. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing a lot of names that are popping up over in the comments section that are campers. But mm-hmm. the the fact that they are campers, I think, is insignificant the fact that we have all become friends because of the music.
0: Couldn't yeah. Agree more. couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. I'm going to throw a link uh, just if anyone who is interested in picking up tickets to it i'm going to throw links into the chat just for everyone to uh to grab now and actually
1: actually may, may i ask on tuesday may i add not ask may I add on tuesday afternoon uh we're going to give a banjo workshop you know as i understand you know uh so between two and five at the plaza hotel you know so when you say give, he, you no, mean he, you. no 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 no. I'm, i said that wrong we're gonna we're gonna give a band workshop. You know, each one gives an instrument. Joel's gonna give bass. I'm gonna give banjo lessons. Who's gonna give guitar lessons? Oh, cool! You know, and so that's gonna be a nice event. You know, so so for three hours we give workshops.
3: I'm gonna be one of your victims or students. Excuse me, students. (laughs) Uh, No, we could. You could help me a little bit, maybe. (laughs) 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 Be my
1: sidekick, or I'm I'm yours, because you know. We, we have not said, you know, because I, I admire George so much. You know, I, he's such an amazing musician, uh, not just with the Kingston Trio, but he's also a great arranger and uh, uh, composer. He knows so much about music. And when we're together, Greg brought us together, you know, at Nam show, we would go eat together, you know. It, 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 uh, and so we would sit at the table and we would just getting into music, and and it's just wonderful, you know. Uh, I
3: have a great story, if if we have time for me to tell it, uh, about that absolutely um, uh, unique uh, friendship. We were going to dinner. because Greg and Janet and uh, uh, my Cindy and her sister, just a whole bunch of people. But sitting at one end of the table was uh, Mark Johnson, Mm -hmm. uh, who's a great clawgrass player, Tony Trishka, Jens Kruger and myself and uh, raised, I raised the question once and this again taught me a lesson. Uh, I learned so much (laughs) from you Jens and I love this one. I said, uh, what does everybody do to warm up? And I said, I play, um, scales you know from uh, open positions to close positions all the way up and down the neck i do the a major scale i do a harmonic minor i do a melodic minor and then tony trishka jumped in and he said well uh, there's this old uh fairly unknown earl scruggs song that i used to warm up with and we could see out of the side of our uh, eyes we could see yin's kind of scrunching up his face a little bit and he finally jumped in and he said no that's not how you warm up the way you warm up is you get up early in the morning you go to a room there's no coffee there's no computer there's no wife there's no friends there's nothing there but you and you create that's how you warm up you create did i say that (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: that was the 40th anniversary year when we had we had the big booth at nam downstairs in holly and we had tony and we had mark and we had yourself george and jens mm-hmm. all in for the whole for the whole show for the full four days that was a yes. that was a fun time that was great. that was that was great yes mark was teaching chlorographs to anything that Moved basically, <laughs> like, and anyone that walked into the booth, he was giving a lesson to, whether they wanted to or not. It was fantastic. It was three of happened. those
3: days, three yeah. of those days were spent trying to find a place to park, though. Yes, that's true. Yes, and well, then the that, other days spent trying of to get night, out of the convention center.
2: One of the nights at that Nam show, because Mark Johnson had just gotten the Steve Martin Award. Oh yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that
1: was the yeah, that was that year. Yes. We
2: all got invited to dinner at Steve Martin's house which was an incredible event. And, and you know, the Kruger brothers have been friends with Steve for a long time. And Steve Martin learned clawgrass from Mark Johnson. So I got to be a fly on the wall that evening at Steve Martin's house, which was wonderful. But when we were driving back to Anaheim, we had our big Ford Expedition, whatever, all of us in it. And I'm driving down Hollywood Boulevard and the Krugers... And Mark, all get their instruments out and the windows down and they start playing music. And every time we came to a stop, it drew a crowd. <laughs> and you couldn't plan an event like that. That was just an amazing experience to be driving a vehicle down Hollywood Boulevard with some of the finest musicians on the planet making music. Uh, best I had the best stereo in the world that night.
1: but you know we had also we had some amazing times you know greg and i uh when we you know years ago i would fly out to san diego and we would go to the company you know he would get me at the airport and then we would go directly from the airport to the company and what would i say greg can we can we look at the new word yes and and sleep sleep is cancelled yeah (laughs) sleep's canceled so sometimes we stayed all night we wouldn't even go back to the house you know and just build banjos and just do things you know
2: yeah there was times when you'd be here for four days and we'd make three complete prototypes in four days
1: yeah i know that's when we were young
2: (laughs) but when the public sleep was canceled i almost fainted but then I found out after his visits out here, he goes home and sleeps for a couple of days.
0: <laughs> there
1: you
2: go. There you <laughs> go. follow the name of making banjos better.
1: Yeah, we try everything, you know. Nothing what, undone.
0: <laughs> We're coming up on the top of the hour. A question, I've got some questions from the from the chat here, but um, real quick from the three of you, what are you all most looking forward to about uh, Americana Camp? Um, kind of music gathering, I should say, this year.
3: The huge variety of music uh, that these campers bring in. There are 30 campers, and we'll be presenting um, just over 90 different songs. And to, to see them at the uh, morning and afternoon rehearsals, uh, and then, you know, and put the songs together with them, because that's the first time those of us in the staff will have been able to... Uh, put the songs together in a live fashion With with that person Because right now I'm just sitting at home Listening to a song and saying Well I might play this, I might do that Might do banjo, might play a nylon string guitar But then to do it on stage with them And then they up their game At the concerts that night And it's just like uh, Professionals, I mean real professionals Taking the stage and presenting mm-hmm. A show of entertainment and music Yeah.
1: Go ahead.
0: No, great,
2: Greg, you go. You're fine. I'm just delighted that we're continuing to have the show. For Paul Reibold is the one that's been organizing this and doing all the back story stuff, and he's the backbone of the whole thing. And the last couple of times, there's been a question mark about whether we're going to have it again. And Janet and I and our friend Bob Zink jumped on board to assist. Paul however we could and that made the difference to Paul to continue doing it and and it's such a wonderful thing that that charges batteries and and makes magic and to keep it going is really important and valuable and, and special and just that we get to have it again every year we get to have it is such a big blessing and to have the Krugers there at the beginning of the week to kick the week off makes it even more special.
3: Yeah. The Krugers appeared there uh, seven years ago as a tease for this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Has <laughs> <laughs> it, it been that long? Well, I, and I'm, you know, for me, it's, <clears throat> for me, it's a, a you know, a first to be officially at the camp, you know, for, as a concert. And, and so uh, for us, you know, getting to a new place is we're going to play our music that we know. So, but for us to the most, the biggest joy is always meet new people. You know, meet new friends, mm. see new faces, and you know maybe we get to play with a few people or you know just get to jam. Um, sometimes you, you know you know that very well, George. You know you get to know people through music. When you play a song with somebody, you get to know them. Very instantly, you know, on a a very different way than when you would talk to somebody, you know, you play a song with each other. And it's like an instant, instant exchange of the truth and the truth, you know, in most in most everybody or everybody, I would say that I meet is beautiful. So, um, you know, we have we have all kinds of fears and anxieties, you know, being together in groups and, you know, singing or being embarrassed or, you know, being but then all of a sudden, you know, if you if you sing, you know, together, you you don't have to verbally exchange. You you are on a different level together, and mm-hmm. and it becomes clear that we're not so different. You know that we're very much alike, and we can become mm-hmm. friends very easily. You know, mm-hmm. with, with people and have deep connections. And I think this is what we always look forward to, especially also Uwe and Joel. You know, they're good-hearted people, and our sound mm-hmm. engineer Peabody you know, so, and of course, all the friends that we have seeing you, George, you know, and Greg and Janet and uh, Cindy, you know, and everybody uh, that, that is a great privilege and joy. Mm
3: -hmm. It kind of reminds me what you were just saying of uh, when Greg and Janet had their 40th anniversary at the, uh, the store of India, the ship Mm -hmm. uh, there in the (laughs) harbor in San Diego. And uh, we were, you know, music is another language like anything else. It's a language that, that, you speak from your mind, you speak from your heart, and it and it, then it takes on a voice and speaks itself. And uh, we were backstage because that's the night that you presented Steve Martin with his uh, Banjo Hall of Fame Award. And so we're all backstage, Steve Martin, and you, and Uwe, and Joel, and me, and you guys were speaking English. We're all joining in a conversation. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, y'all slipped into German. <laughs> and <laughs> and then out of nowhere, you slipped into music, and they were all different languages, but they brought it, the music brought everybody together. Yes, it, it was.
1: That that was yeah. a remarkable day. Anyway, you know that was that was a very spectacular day. You know, Jamie uh, Jamie during you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, organized that entire event, and I remember sure. her. You know, I remember her. You know, being a little. Uh, How you say on her toes, you know, in the afternoon because there was a big storm coming through.
0: And uh, you remember we had to have fans everywhere, like the whole ship, all three levels. There was just fans blowing to try and clear out the the moisture and the humidity and everything. Yes, yes, yes.
1: But but we were all we were. It was it was very moist and hot, you know. And after. But it was beautiful. I mean, there was so much energy, good energy, you know, on that ship. You know, that was a great idea, you know, that they did that Star of India, you know. so And it was actually the first time we got to play
3: together, George, I think. That's right. Uh, Forever and a day.
1: You know, yeah, we we played that, and uh, you say yeah. yeah.
3: And I think Which, we did Tom Dooley also, didn't we?
1: Tom Dooley, yes. Uwe yeah. asked you, Uwe asked you because you know when we were in Boy Boy Scouts, you know, in Switzerland, we had you know these camps in the summer that we would go all summer long, yeah. and uh, we had a songbook. You know, of course it was German all. You know, no, there was no English English songs in there, but there there was a version of Tom Dooley in German. You know, so we we grew up with the song, you know, the Kingston Trio version of, you know, but the melody of the Kingston Trio with German words. And then, you know, so Uwe, you know, when, when at the Star of India, he, he approached you right away and said, you know, will we sing? You know, uh, 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 um, Tom Dooley together, and you said, "Of course." And I <laughs> went to Uwe. How could you just go up to him and ask him? <laughs> he sung that song a million times. You know why? You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that, that, that does segue quite beautifully. And speaking of the devil, Jamie Deering is walking right in front of me as we speak. The organizer of the Star of India ship. Uh, yes, Hi, Jamie. Yes, How, how's it yes, going? Yes. Um, Sue Keller asks, uh, "Any chance George and Jens, and we've read my mind, take the stage together at the camp? What do you think, guys? You want to you want to put something together at the camp and uh, jump in on some action there?
3: Well, we might have to talk about that.
0: All yeah. Right. It
2: uh, like yeah a um, I've already got a request from Tony Prim. And his wife Jesse, they would love to hear you guys Monday night do the song from the movie.
1: Oh God. Yes, okay. That's what you yeah. get. You know, that's, they, they <laughs> that's
2: so to see an old video of you guys doing that and uh put a big smile on their face.
1: Yeah, well <laughs> s- we'll we'll see what we can do. Okay. <laughs> uh...
2: I know you haven't done it in a long time, but I just had to put that in
1: that's right that's right well what what a, what a delightful
0: hour that was for it me. was it was it was I, I loved it it was uh, it was fascinating stuff um, any closing thoughts from anybody before we before we jump out of here I'm going to hit well, George George Greg that,
2: first that wants to go to the concert the during we have links to buying the tickets there's still plenty of tickets left
1: mm-hmm.
2: um the the camp is donating the, the, the venue to the Krugers so there's no expense there for them and Janet and Bob and I are not taking any profit out of it. So all the um, above everything above just a minor few expenses is all going to the Krugers. So support the Krugers and, and um Let's let's get as many people there at the concert as we can. I want to write them as big a check as we possibly can. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. <laughs> no. I, I wish you could stick around uh, afterwards, uh, yes, because uh, the my group, the Folk Legacy Trio, is given a concert Sunday uh, after the camp. I know, which is but the thirteenth. Yes, but
1: I'm already at, at in Canada. I think at that moment, you know.
3: Yeah, I know you're involved, but uh, yes. I would have asked you on our stage
1: oh that would that would have been beautiful <laughs> but maybe on monday night you can join us for a song will you i'd love to will you that, love, to. there you go i mean that that would be that would be a, that would be fantastic you know i mean we'll
3: do it. okay and then on Tuesday, when I come to your master class, you can teach me what I should have played the night before.
1: No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You are too nice. I'm, I come to lesson to you how to be a better person, you know, that's, that's good. So, so no, no, this is nice. This is great. No, my thoughts is I'm looking forward for this. Uh, you know, this is a different event because it's uh, it's connected to the to the camp. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, sort the concert is, is going to be is, is going to be different, as I've been mean, a lot of friends, lots, uh, lots of you know t- uh, social uh, togetherness, and um, so that's that's going to be beautiful. And I'm, you know, thank you for letting me be part of this uh, conversation today. Savior, thank
3: pleasure. you very much. Thank yeah. you all of you.
0: Yeah, no, truly, the three of you, thank you for your time. Thank you for your understanding and and patience as we got it all set up. And that that was a really, really nice uh, hour. And even Uwe Kruger is watching. And uh, (laughs) hey, Uwe, he's leaving comments. Uh, uh-huh, Ube, yeah. at one point wrote me he said
1: you, you're sounding good you look okay
0: at least I got my brother's approval so it's good oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go There you go. well guys listen thank you so so much for your time today uh, yeah. everybody at home i got to give a quick shout out to my kids because I just got pictures of them apparently watching me <laughs> and us so hi John hi Margot love to see you in about half hour um, I, but but um, everyone who watches this after the show uh, on a repeat, uh, thank you for tuning in and leave your comments.
1: And, and thank you, Jamie. Thank
0: you. Thank you for hosting so well. I think we did okay, didn't we? I you think did we survived. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Sometimes when I go solo without Dave, I feel a little bit like, no, you know, I'm, I'm going to fail. But,
3: you know, you're Dave's my anchor and he's not here. You're, you're the best. <laughs> you're the yeah,
2: that hour went by in a
0: heartbeat. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. So hey, Jamie, amazing. tell the. Uh, it was nice to have met you the other day, as we mm-hmm. first our first time meeting. Oh. And uh, please tell the beautiful Jamie that I said hello. That would not be me, right? That's the other Jamie. Just checking. The one that just walked
0: past. Right, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep that in mind next time.
3: Yeah. Enjoy okay. it, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> I will. You all take care.
0: Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Bye, bye. Bye,
3: bye. Bye, bye. Bye.